Hey everybody, it is Brian Pointer, host of Indiana Outdoors. That's what we're calling the show, Indiana Outdoors. We've been doing it for 24 years. Stick with what works, right? We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. No better time to do that than today. It's free. You don't need any physical testing of any sort and help save up to eight lives and heal up to 75 others. A lot of folks hurting down in the southeast part of our country. Mother Nature at her max. Her fury was insane to watch. As I was watching this unfold, it couldn't have been a more picturesque, beautiful day when this hit uh, last Wednesday. I was driving uh, in the car for a couple of hours thinking, listening to all this, and it, there was just puffy clouds. It was crisp outside. It was gorgeous. But man, Mother Nature really ripped a new one, didn't she? And a lot of folks are going to need some help. So we're going to bring a little levity today. We're going to have some fun. We're going to visit with Josh Lance. He is one of Indiana's great outdoor writers and communicators. Recognized recently, um, Lifetime Award from the Association of Great Lake Outdoor Writers. Plus, he's just a darn good guy. So I'm looking forward to chatting with him. We're going to visit with our, get an update from the Natural Resources Foundation. They do such great work and are the nonprofit arm always looking for that funding, next funding source. Hopefully that could be you. They are a nonprofit organization, so there's some tax things there as well. It is the first weekend of the archery season in the state of Indiana for deer. Great opportunity to get out. A lot of folks are going to be doing that, so be careful out there, and we wish you well. Captain Jet Quillen is going to be talking about some safety stuff uh, in line with opening weekend and Remember, if you take that deer, donate it if you want to make sure it stays in your in your backyard. Folks, when we come back, Josh Lance, it's Indiana Outdoor Show right after this. What a great way to kick off the Indiana Outdoor Show this weekend. Uh, beautiful beautiful weather at least we had up here and god uh god willing uh we're gonna find out a whole lot of folks in the southeast made it through that major hurricane and that was stunning to watch to say the least and as we were watching all that unfold it couldn't have been a more iconic beautiful fall weekend or a fall day earlier this week when that took place. Nonetheless, it is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer, and we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. You can sign up to be an organ and tissue donor, do some good Hoosier hospitality, do your do your best there. No, it's free, no physical requirements, and you can do that when you buy your hunting and fishing license, as always. And as I mentioned, it's a great way to kick off the Indiana Outdoor Show with some of Indiana's finest outdoor writers, and that would include Josh Lance, and it's great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. It's been a minute, but you're back after some high accolades, I understand, and reward and awards uh, down uh, or up at the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers uh, recent meeting, and you uh, honorably bestowed upon you and well-earned, my friend. Congratulations. What did you bring home? 
Thanks, Brian. First of all, it's a pleasure to be back here with you and your and your listeners. But uh, yeah, we had a great week in Branson. You know, it was our annual conference. And, uh, you know, awards aside, uh, the highlight for me was just seeing, you know, such a great turnout. You know, uh, Aglow is uh, an organization that's been around for, for 65 years and, you know, pulling through the pandemic. Uh, you know, we all go to various events and we've seen uh, attendance decline. But, um, you know, it's it's the most well-attended conference uh, that I've seen in the past five years. So, you know, a lot of folks like you, you know, outdoor media professionals and, and industry folks coming together basically to uh, figure out how to help one another, you know, more effectively communicate, uh, you know, the, the, the wonders of the great outdoors. So uh, it was beautiful weather in Branson, got out on Taylor Rock and got to do some drop shotting for uh, spotted bass, which is an incredible <laughs> amount of fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, awarded um, a Golden Glow Award for Excellence in Craft, um, which is a Glow's top honor. And I'm um, just humbled that, uh, that my uh, uh, peers, you know, thought about enough enough about my work and, and career to uh, to bestow that honor on me. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful week. Well, we're visiting with Josh Lance and one of Indiana's great outdoor writers. So tell me more about this. What do you have to do to be bestowed this award? So there's a council of past presidents uh, within the organization. And, um, you know, basically they, they meet and there, there are several Golden Glow categories. I think there's there's four or five. Uh, they don't, you know, necessarily award uh, each category every year, but you know, excellence in craft is kind of the one that um, that members look at and, and aspire to uh, to receive. You know, one day, and it basically just um, Brian. It, it, it's just awarded to recognize you know a, a full career of of excellence uh, in the work that you've done in, in communications in the outdoor industry. So I uh, was nominated by uh, my good friend and some of your listeners may know, uh, I call him Uncle Mikey. He's been a mentor of mine for a long time, but Mike Schoonfeld, uh, charter captain and ex-Indiana uh, DNR uh, employee and all-around good guy, charter captain, outdoor communicator up in Northwest Indiana. So he nominated me and um, yeah, somehow he convinced the rest of those folks to give me the award. I don't know how he did it, but. <laughs> well, Brother Nature is one of our favorites for sure. And we rely on him for his uh, cor- the correspondent from the north as we say and giving us the update on Lake Michigan yeah I should add too uh, a Hall of Fame communicator uh, in the freshwater fishing Hall of Fame Mike Schoonfeld is so yep he is he is just there, there's so many and I don't think people realize this the depth of folks that we have in the outdoor riding community who have who have made their impact uh, across the board there's I mean, we we put out some great outdoor writers. Jack Spaulding, by the way, was with me a couple weeks, actually two he weeks in a row. He was on the tip of my tongue, Brian. I'm glad you mentioned Jack. Yeah, he, you know, is he's started in the '80s doing his outdoor writing, and I love his conversation, love his chat, and uh, we we got started in a segment, and you know, Father Time got in the way, and I said, "Listen, we need to come back and do this again with some more time," and I'm so glad I did because. He is. He was telling this story about the reintroduction of certain species, and he has this great story. Next time you talk to him, he'll tell you about it for sure. But the reintroduction of the wild turkey in Indiana, and I don't want to give it away, but there's 
there's a cool uh, backstory, and he always baits you by saying, who do you think, what group was responsible for the reintroduction of the wild turkey in Indiana? And, of course, you know, well, the NWTF or the National Wildlife Federation or something. I'm not going to tell you how it happened, but it's a great story. And as usual, he's one of the best. Yeah, uh, agreed for sure. Jack's uh, uh, been around for a long time doing excellent work, and he's actually he, he's actually received the award that I received, but uh, I bet it's been probably 25 years. So I'll tell you a little bit about Jack Spalding's career. Well, let's talk about your uh, what you're doing and what you're seeing. What are you writing about these days? What are some of the issues? What were people talking about over at the AGLO, the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers? What were they talking about? What's on their minds? We've had some national things taking place with Pittman-Robertson Act. We've got, you know, all sorts of other things, local and regional. But what was on everybody's mind? Yeah, you know, there were some great topics, you know, within the organization itself. You know, we, we spent quite a bit of time, uh, you know, talking about uh, how we work together, uh, you know, in this changing media landscape. You know, there's more media outlets than ever before. Uh, they're, you know, they're changing. And so, you know, there were discussions because the GLOW really is comprised of outdoor communicators and then, uh, you know, uh, companies you know, that have an interest in uh, making sure that there's, you know, the next generation of hunters and anglers that are going to go out and, and buy their products and, and use them and, and sustain the traditional outdoor sports that we love. And then destination marketing folks, too. You know, they want outdoor riders to come to their, their destinations and experience their outdoor resources and then be able to communicate to their readers, listeners, viewers, and followers, you know, about that experience to ultimately, you know, draw more people into their area. So, you know, there was a lot of discussion about how we can help one another. You know, one of the things that, and you mentioned it in your, your intro uh, that I've been thinking a lot about uh, that at the tail end of, of this past week with, with Hurricane uh, Ian is, you know, the red tides in Florida have been, you know, such a problem and such a huge, you know, issue. And, and you know, they've had, you know, a plan for 25 years on how to deal with those, you know, discharges largely from the agriculture industry, you know, into Lake Okeechobee and then, and then, you know, out into the, the oceans, which creates these, these horrible red tides. And, you know, they just haven't implemented, you know, there hasn't been the political will uh, you know, despite groups uh, like Captains for Clean Water and, and tons of other, you know, tourism organizations that understand the impact of, you know, sandy beaches and clean water and good fishing, you know, to Florida's uh, tourist economy. But I'm wondering now what this, this huge flush of water that's going to be coming back out to the ocean, is that a good thing? For these red tides, I mean, will it dilute that agricultural runoff enough where, you know, it creates kind of a natural solution or is it going to be, you know, compounding the problem by flushing all those those issues because, you know, there's so much water that uh, it's all going to end up back in the ocean sooner or later. So that's been on my mind and I don't know what the answer is. We're visiting with Josh Lance, intriguing for sure, because I watch these pictures, you know, being a flatlander here from 800 feet above sea level in indiana where we don't have these things we have different things but i was so dumbfounded with the strength of mother nature when you saw those pictures of tampa bay being completely dry and all that water being sucked out i think you're onto something i think that there probably will be a benefit uh to that red tide issue down there and it has been a big problem but just the power and just the over, it's overwhelming when you look at 
what Mother Nature was able to produce in her own fury. But, um, yeah, so I'm glad to hear that uh, was on your mind uh, there in, in uh, Branson. What else What else were people talking about? Was anybody talking about this Pittman-Robertson thing? Yeah, they were. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, the the discussion, I'm not sure how much you filled your readers in on it, but there's a there's a bill. There's a bill basically to do away with P- uh, Pittman Robertson, which has been you would know the number of years. But, you know, in yeah. the modern conservation area era, it's 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 funded. Um you know, sales tax on sporting equipment, you know, has gone back to, you know, conservation management of, of our resources that we all enjoy. So uh, there's been a, a bill introduced basically to, as I understand it, to repeal that and to replace those funds with uh, revenues that are going to be contributed, as I understand it, by, you know, the oil and gas industry. Um, I'm not sure where this particular legislator is, is coming from, what political motives they have, but I'll just tell your you know your listeners in my opinion it's it's a horrible idea uh, regardless of whether they think it's it's good or bad and it, thankfully i think it's lost a lot of support there were some legislators that signed on to support it that uh and now we're kind of seeing the the fallacy of it all so uh, i hope it doesn't pass it's a proven system brian as as you know um Heck proven yeah. source of revenue and changing it at this point um does nothing uh, but open up the possibility for those funds and, and monies to be abused, um, you, you know, know, moving forward. So, Jack, back on Jack Spaulding, we were talking about this, and you know, he's been around the block a bit. And this is not an insignificant amount of money. This is over a billion dollars a year. But this North American conservation model that is unique, literally, to any place else in the world is the reason that we have geese in everybody's yard and bears on the New Jersey turnpike, but it's a self-imposed tax. And, yep. and I would add, too, I'm looking out my picture window right now for everybody that does not. I'm looking at two uh, eastern bluebirds sitting out in the pine tree in my front yard. So, it, I mean, the habitat work that, you know, goes on the ground to support, you know, wildlife species, not just game species, but it's these bluebirds that I'm looking at, too, which everybody enjoys. You know, it's we say this a lot. You can a lot of organization. You get the deer, the ducks, the turkeys, the elks, the quail. They've all got their organizations. But they're all raising money for the purpose uh, of conservation, and that helps. If you're raising for money for the for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, it's going to help clean water. If it's Ducks Unlimited, it's going to help habitat, and you name it, on down the line. So those bluebirds benefit as much as the deer, the duck, the turkey, and the elk. And it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned some of those organizations, you know, uh, regardless of uh, whether your listeners, you know, choose to hunt or fish or just enjoy the outdoors in one way or another, by all means, you know, find a chapter of one of those conservation groups that's, that's close to you. They have a chapter, you know, join, uh, have fun at their events, help them raise money. Um, like I said, whether you hunt or fish or not, um, it's, it's all going to, to the same, you know, end, you know, yeah. the same great end uh, that you just mentioned. So, And if you don't want to do any of that, buy a hunting and fishing license because it's the best. I've said this for years. It's the best conservation dollars. If you call yourself a conservationist of any sort and you just say, I want there to be uh, – I want to be a better steward of the land. Where is that money best spent? It's by buying a hunting and fishing license. So if you buy a 
$25 hunting and fishing license. It's $100 by the time it gets leveraged. And that's how we have departments of natural resources. That's how they get funded that can have these programs and implement reintroduction, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's ways to do that. Uh, even if you're not a member of an organization and, you know, we could spend hours talking about this Pittman-Robertson thing, and I hope it goes away, but it's uh, – I hope the bill goes away, not PR, but right. what are you doing this fall? Are you doing any traveling, any hunting, fishing? What do you got? Uh, you know, I'm going to be home for a while. Uh, I am going to be, uh, you know, deer hunting when I can when I can get out. Uh, you know, the problem with me for deer hunting, I used to do a ton of duck hunting too, and my fishing just gets in the way too much because there's, there's too much great, you know, there's too much great fall fishing, especially where I'm at, uh, at with access, access to the St. Joseph River. Uh, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got salmon in the river right now, uh, which is a heck of a lot of fun to catch, however you want to target them. Uh, like we've got steelhead, the smallmouth fishing is still, still going great. And, um, yeah. So it's hard for me to break away I get from my it. fishing, but uh, I, I'll be outdoors every chance that I get. Josh, it's always great to visit you. One of Indiana's great, uh, now uh, award-winning in many ways, shapes, and forms, uh, recognized for all your great work. Thanks for being a part of Indian Outdoors. Don't be a stranger here, and hope to see you somewhere in Field and Forest this fall. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you, my man. Always great. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Don't go anywhere. We're going to catch up with our friends at the Natural Resources Foundation when we return right after this. What a beautiful week in the state of Indiana. What a beautiful week to be alive. As we experience this early fall, it's been so great this last week with the weather here in Indiana, at least. My my gosh, those good folks down in the southeast can't imagine as we're up here enjoying this beautiful fall weather, how they're dealing with it down there. But we are brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. And I am your host, Brian Pointer, and it's so great to to just gather and enjoy, and uh, all we can do is offer our moral support at this point in time. A lot of good Hoosiers down there doing some great work as well. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, we like to visit with our friends when uh, who are regular contributors here. Robert Seilheimer is with us with the Natural Resources Foundation. Rob, you've got a new puppy. You're breaking in a new puppy in the beautifulest, most beautiful part of the year. How have you been, my friend? Good, yeah. We uh, just got a. I'm doing well. Uh, we just picked up uh, American Brittany a, a few weeks ago, um, so he's keeping us pretty busy. And uh, we're looking to enjoy this nice fall weather this weekend. We're going to do some some bird introduction with him, so that should be a lot of fun. Well, that's always a good thing to do. And my gosh, the idea of having a puppy right now in my life is enough uh, to make me just want to curl up into a fetal position. But I've enjoy, I've got my big dog Gus and. I've thought about this often. I said, "Man, if I had to go and break another puppy, no matter what it was, I would be—I uh, would probably not be uh, of the right mindset." So that's good for you and good for your family. And I know that's a great time of the year. How are things are going? How are things going at the Natural Resources Foundation? They're going really well. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, we're getting closer to the year end here. Year end of so we're looking at our year end appeal that'll be going out in November and December. 
So it's a very important time for the foundation um, for a fundraising perspective. Uh, we want to make sure we're able to uh, raise funds to help support the DNR and their critical projects and programs. So let's talk about there may be somebody out there who's not familiar with the Natural Resources Foundation. Allow a little bit of a commercial for what it is and what you do. Absolutely. So we're the official nonprofit of the DNR, and we raise funds to help support the critical programs and projects uh, that need a little additional funding. So just like every household, uh, the DNR has a budget. Uh, Just like my household and your household, um, sometimes that budget only goes so far. So we're able to help fill in those gaps to make sure those conservation needs are still met uh, by being the fundraising arm of the DNR. Very important stuff, and we always like to have you give us updates. And I know there was a lot of great projects and volunteer activities and opportunities to raise money up in the through fundraisers up in the northeast part of the state. And you've got this year end, so it is a good time for people to understand the mission is absolutely critical. And now is no there's no better time than now, right? Exactly. And we like to take a a proactive approach so we can help the DNR conserve a lot of these areas, whether it be land acquisition, habitat improvement projects, or introducing youth to the outdoors via outdoor education and the Discover the Outdoors program and and partnership with state parks. So let's talk about, uh, we've got some, any other big things coming up with the foundation between now and the end of the year besides just your end appeal? We do have some news coming out uh, that we'll be able to share a little bit later this year, um, but we were able to help acquire some property in northeast Indiana. Um, we are working through the details with CNR, uh, but we should be able to share those details hopefully later this year around November or December. So well, well, pretty, that's pretty neat. That's a good opportunity for us to get back together again. Now we can talk about some really fun stuff. Let's go back to this puppy. What are you going to do? You talk about bird introduction. How's that work? So with that puppy, what we're basically going to do, it's, it's a, a, a field-bred American Brittany, so it's a hunting dog via genetics. Uh, we're just tapping into the potential of the dog. We're just going to do bird introduction and get uh, the prey drive increase before we do any gun introduction just to make sure we do the right steps. Uh, for his progression, kind of like introducing a kid, you know, when they're growing up, you want to make sure you have that solid developmental years uh, and conditioning as well. So they're exposed to different things. So when they go to school, they're, they're, they're ready to go and ready to learn. So same thing with a puppy. Yeah. I got to go back and I want to ask my kids if I conditioned them well. (laughs) I'm not sure how well I did with them, probably as well as I did with with the uh, dogs over the years i've i've ruined a lot of great labrador retrievers potential let me just put it that way they've been great pups pets but i probably broke their spirits and they just said we can't deal with you anymore oh well you know with kids it's you know you you try to 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 raise them and those zero to five ages are are pretty fundamental when it comes to learning and exposure to things and they kind of just soak everything up so i understand what you're saying (laughs) about the dogs and the kids as well i've got three kids of my own and they're uh nine months uh four and then five you have a nine month and a puppy i do i do are you on drugs what is your problem no 
No, it, it, it keeps us busy and keeps us on our toes. So we don't we don't have a lot of free time. So it, it's good. It keeps us busy and moving, which is good. Well, best of luck to you, my friend. And we will be back in touch with you for that announcement later as we uh, get towards the end of the year. But the Natural Resources Foundation year end is approaching. And uh, give it the information for people to reach out and, and touch and maybe donate. Yeah, so the best way to make a gift to the foundation is to go to our website. It's indiananrf.org. And if you have any questions or would like to learn more about specific programs or projects, you could contact me. Uh, my contact information is on the website as well. Rob, always great to, to visit you. with you. Best of luck. Enjoy this beautiful fall weather. We look forward to catching up again real soon. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us on. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. You can sign up to be that organ and tissue donor at the same time you buy your hunting and fishing license. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting this thing rolling. We're going to be back right after this. the Indiana Outdoor Show. Hopefully that's where you wanted to be. If not, we're going to keep you here with some great, great conversation today as we have had great guests uh, from Josh Lance up in northern Indiana, one of Indiana's great outdoor writers. And always an extended time with him is appreciated. Natural Resources Foundation, great to visit with those folks as well. No better time than the year-end appeal for the nonprofit of our Department of Natural Resources. And as mentioned, Captain Jet Quillen joins me, and it is the first weekend of deer season in the state of Indiana. This would be the archery variety, and it's always important to uh, visit with our friends in law enforcement. So how have you been, my friend? Been great. Been great. It's been a great year so far. Hope to keep it going. Well, indeed. You know, I I see things, uh, press releases and other things. Uh, It looks like off-road vehicles continue to to cause some issues for folks out there. And it might be good just to kind of revisit the importance and the rules around off-road vehicles, especially as people are taking to taking to the forest uh, this time of the year and deer season. So what are some of the rules that people need to pay attention to so that they don't end up in a press release tragically? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, is just being mindful of the, the power of some of these machines out there and how fast they can go and, and just taking your time and, and wearing your safety equipment. You know, helmets are, are a great thing, just like when it comes to water, life jackets are a wonderful thing. Helmets are the big uh, key for being safe on off-road vehicles. Uh, we see very little serious or fatal accidents when our uh, our operators are wearing their helmets. And it's the law. So remind people what the law is. Yeah. So for the the, the wear law for for Indiana for helmets is if you're um, under the age of 18, you're required by Indiana law to wear a helmet. Um, So uh, even if you are a passenger uh, or an operator, if you're if you're under that age of 18, a helmet is required by Indiana law. And, you know, it's just like safety belts when or restraint devices when you're up in trees. I don't know why people do it. I don't know why people don't get up in a tree with a safety belt or a safety harness. And they're so the technology today has made these things almost uh, a no brainer. They're comfortable and it could save your life. And I hunt with folks that they don't do it. And I don't know the uh, 
I don't know why, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing with the off-road vehicle stuff. And you're going to have a lot of folks that haven't maybe been as active uh, now back in the woods using that stuff. So good good uh, reminder about the laws here in the state of Indiana. What else have you been up to? What are you seeing? What are you preaching? Well, you know, we're just wrapping up boating season, uh, you know, our busy summer season. So really right now we're, we're looking at making sure everybody uh, that's transitioning to go out into the woods are, are doing everything in a safe way. You know, we want everybody to, that's going to be, you know, hunting this weekend uh, to, and you're going to be in an elevated uh, stand or a tree stand to, to make sure you're checking those stands before you actually get into them, uh, making sure all the straps and, and anything that's uh, plastic or, or a, a fabric is still in good condition. Like you mentioned, wearing those full body harnesses when you're up in those those elevated stands, um, you know, we, we, we never see serious injuries or, or fatalities related to tree stand accidents when people are utilizing those uh, correctly. So uh, utilizing those full body harnesses and, and just making sure people know where you're going. Uh, if you're going to go out hunting, make sure that, that a friend or a family member knows you're going out and when you'll be back. Uh, we see too many times when when people fail to come back uh now we've got to piece together where they went um so it, that can that can always uh make a quicker a quicker response if we know exactly where to go you know what that's something that's so simple and i don't know that i guess it's always been a habit um of you know where everybody knows where everybody is and where they're going but i shouldn't take that for granted but that is such a simple thing to do especially if you're going by yourself to let people know and great reinforcement. Hey, I wanted to switch gears just for a second. Are any of Indiana's finest down in Florida helping? We have so many great trained folks. Are there anybody down there helping? Yeah, not not right now. Um, so we, we have not been asked to, uh, to respond to that, to offer our assistance, uh, but we are always uh, always here if that's, if that's needed and that comes uh, usually that comes from uh, governor's, governor's office to governor's office. So um, we have not received that uh, request as of yet, but um, we're, we're always standing by if, if we're ever needed anywhere in the, in the United States. Well, I know Indiana leads in so many different areas and such well-trained uh, disciplines. It wouldn't surprise me at some point if that happens. But it sounds like the governor down there has done a fantastic job of organizing, implementing, staging, and making sure everything that could possibly done to be prepared was was implemented. So that is a good thing that maybe we didn't have to have all hands on deck. You going to be doing anything this fall? Are you going to travel? You got any hunting plans? What are you going to be doing? You know, it's it's. Uh, I've got seven kids at home, so uh, they kind of uh, predict what I do right now. They're at that age where they're uh, some are still fairly young, but we we try to always do something. We always usually fall get down to uh, Brown County where I grew up. Uh, we'll get down there and, and and get into the park for a few days and and go around the old stomping grounds. And I'll tell them my old war stories. So um, as of right now, that's what we're looking at. It sounds like you have a lot of uh, soccer in your future. <laughs> Let's hope for basketball. How yeah. So are they boys, girls? I didn't realize you had seven kids. Yes, uh, six boys, one girl. Wow, that poor All young lady. At the age of thirteen. So, yep, she's going to be the she's the strong one. So she's the that, one that poor uh, young girl. She'll be protected. And I can't. Uh, what what a great 
age to be uh, – I love that whole age period. And, you know, coaching, I miss the days of coaching when my kids were in, in that age group and getting ready to go into high school and all the sports that happened. But especially with boys, that age group is so dang fun. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a maybe because I can maybe I can relate to him because my brain is probably like that. <laughs> yeah, they, they are intense. They are competitive. And, and I love it. I, I think that's something that uh, we, we need more of that, that competitive nature, to, uh, you know, and wanting to do well and working hard to achieve that. Well, great messages. Anything else for the good of the cause before uh, we release people into the woods here this opening weekend of deer season? Yeah, if, you, if you're out there and you uh, you're you're holding off on taking um, uh, that one deer because you're holding off for that that big buck or anything like that, um, and you have the opportunity to take a doe, uh, take that doe and donate it uh, at a, through the Sportsman's Benevolence Fund. We're we're always looking for deer donations at participating uh, uh, processors to help uh, supplement the the food need for our needy Hoosiers in the state. So uh, if you get on our DNR website and, and there's a donate. Uh, link um you can look at the uh the steps that that's needed to to participate in that program well deb's going to be with us next week talking about that great program and i know you're uh actually uh as much of an evangelist as she is so thanks for being a part of this show thanks for being a part of the message and be safe everybody and as always we'll have you back great appreciate it my pleasure it is the indiana outdoor show i am your host brian pointer we're brought to you by indiana donor network driven to save lives.org don't go anywhere we're going to be back right after this So little time. My gosh, what a great show. What a great opportunity to be with you. I have not experienced this long of a stretch of great weather. I said this at least 10 times last week. I could live if it was 58 degrees and sunny like it was every day this week, 58, 65 degrees. I would live there. Oh, well, it's part of the Part of the changing of the seasons, which I would also miss and appreciate. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. And we are brought to you by the Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Sign up to be that organ and tissue donor when you buy your hunting and fishing license or just go to the website, driven Indiana, uh, Indiana, <laughs> Indiana Donor Network. I'm getting myself and my shows all mixed up. Driven to Save Lives. That's the number two dot org. Regardless, it is the opening weekend. You heard Captain Quillen talk about the opening of the deer season in Indiana, the archery variety. A lot of folks, a lot of traditions. Uh, sometimes I know that I've been in tree stands in October on opening day when it has snowed, and I've been in there where I have sweated so bad it was miserable. Hopefully we can find a happy median and folks put some venison in the freezer uh, take some youth, take some friends, do something, get some great traditions going. But uh, as you mentioned, as he mentioned, donating that deer is always important. If you have filled your freezer or you just want to make sure that meat goes to a good organization in your community, then you can just uh, Google. Um, <clears throat> Deb Treese is going to be with us next week. 
and uh, Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry is the organization, but you can find out where you can donate that deer. Uh, we'll do that, of course, next week. But if you want to know before you go out, uh, Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry, just Google it and all those locations will be known. So the Natural Resources Foundation, it's the end of the year. A lot of folks going to be doing year-end appeals, none better than our friends at the NRF. That is a nonprofit for Indiana Department of Natural Resources. So thank them for being a part of it. And Josh Lance, congratulations, one of Indiana's great outdoor communicators, good good friend, longtime uh, uh, friend of Indiana Outdoors was recognized by the Association of Great Lake Outdoor Riders in a pretty substantial way, and I know he was humbled. Always great to visit with him and his great insights. So we have a lot of folks in Field and Forest. Hopefully that's you or will be you. And with that, we always say remember to turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R. Make that free confidential call. If you see something, hear something that doesn't sound right, it goes to the conservation officers and let them do their job. Folks, we'll be back next weekend. Enjoy field and forest or wherever this beautiful weekend might take you. And uh, we are in football season, so i got to say go Irish. See you next week, everybody. Mm-hmm.